What's up, guys? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. My name's John, and this is r slash Tales from Tech Support. Well, no cheap beer tonight. No beer at all, as a matter of fact. Uh, oh, good. There's power fluctuations in my light. That's awesome. Anyway, no, we just got back from having some Chinese food, and uh, belly's all full. Figured it would be a good time for a story. And to that listener talking about Kia Serenos and their recalls, and more recalls, and more recalls, this is a slightly older unit. Uh, it's been put through its paces, and I think it actually got taken in for a recall a couple years ago. Uh, so far, so good. No bad luck with it so far, but you never know. If it starts to burn, we'll uh, we'll pull it away from all the campers and park models here and get out the marshmallows, I guess. All right, let's do some tech support. In Office Lost Mouse this is a tale from around a year ago when I started as a first-line operator for a large company. Good morning, IT. You're speaking to blank. How can I help you? Ah, yes. Can you please help me locate my mouse? I've misplaced it somewhere and can't seem to find it anywhere. <laughs> At this time, I thought he meant an actual mouse plugged in with USB. We routinely have people from the office take them out and move them around, so nothing new. Okay, what I'll do is get someone on site to bring you over a new mouse. No, no, not the mouse, you know, the mouse you see. Wait, do you mean the cursor? Yes, like I said, it's the mouse missing. Cue me for the next 20 to 30 minutes trying to tell this agent how to use shortcuts on his keyboard to guide his way through to opening the company screen share software. Then it connected. With the software, it recenters the cursor in the middle of the screen. Can you see your mouse now, sir? Oh my god, you're a magician. Thank you so much. I know it's a short story, but thought others might enjoy it. Love getting called a magician. However, it did kill my SLA for taking 30 minutes on one call. I'm not sure how you lose your cursor. I know there's a way that you can, there's like key combinations or something that you can do to recenter your mouse, but uh, yeah, I don't know what that would be, honestly, but I usually just kind of swipe all the way one way and then slowly start coming back the other way, and usually there it is. Uh, I guess it depends on your mouse settings too, you know, your cursor settings, that is. You know, are they fast, slow, does it only show up when it moves, things like that. Uh, I like mine visible all the time, otherwise I get bug-eyed and... I don't want to have to work too hard to keep track of that stupid thing, but anyway. On a side note, I can't imagine working a job where you have SLAs and whatever those other things are where you're you're judged based on your your amount of calls that you handle, the length of time you're on the call, the amount of actually solved cases and things like that. I mean, I guess I get it that there has to be some metrics, but sometimes it seems like a bit much, but I don't know. I'm not totally sure that that accounts for all the usefulness of each agent, but yeah. Where an iPhone causes printers to not be available. It was a normal Tuesday in the world of IT. Calls and tickets at normal levels. Issues were nothing earth-shattering. Then I had a coworker come over to me saying that the number two exec in the company couldn't print. My blood didn't run cold because the exec's cool, but that is still enough for a voice in my head to go, ruh -ruh. When printing out an email, his outlook would hang for a while and then say no printers were available. Well, there could only be bleveny things that could cause that. Upon further investigation, it was only happening on emails from one of his direct reports. And even then, only some of those emails. My spider sense told me it's the direct reports outlook causing this. It's causing something funky to happen to the messages he's sending, but we still troubleshoot the exec's PC to the moon and back because his direct report is still a pretty big wheel in this cracker factory and didn't want to get him involved unless needed. After an hour or so of troubleshooting, testing our PCs, and testing on a loaner, it became clear that yes, this issue is stemming from the emails from the direct report. 
The exec was able to print out a OWA and was satisfied, but I kept the ticket open because if this direct report's emails can't be printed, who knows what else could be wrong with this outlook. We had a few days until the direct report was back in the office, so call was scheduled for a few days out. In those days, as I was discussing this with my colleagues, we realized that on the email in question, his signature was all out of whack. That was especially confusing for us because we have a plugin that automatically adds a signature based off of AD groups. I get on the call with the direct report, and myself and a coworker start digging in. He forwards us a message, and it's all good. Then we have the aha moment as my colleague asks if he can forward us a message from his iPhone. We test printing it, and my colleague and I both experience exactly what was happening to the C-suite exec. Now, knowing what the cause is, how do we fix it? After discussing with the team responsible for exclaimer? I don't know. The answer is, we can't. He'll have to upgrade his phone. The direct report was on an iPhone 8, and Exclaimer simply does not play nice with mobile signatures on an iPhone. So that means all he needs to do is get a new phone? Well, that's not as cut and dry as it would appear. Why? I hate to leave you all hanging, but the why is for another time with a whole other crew of users, techs, and headaches. And we still don't know the why with that cluster. Hey, OP. Why do you leave people hanging? It's not for another story. It's part of this story. And you know at least some information. Come on, man. You gotta fill us in. I'm not sure how an iPhone would screw up everything, but, you know, when it comes to Outlook, nothing would shock me. When I worked for the Board of Ed, my local Board of Ed, uh, we used Outlook for everything, and I absolutely hated it. I'm not saying it's not a useful program, but it's it's seemed like it was too easy for things just to go buggy and sideways, but I get it. I mean, big corporations and, you know, local government entities and state government entities, they kind of got to go with whatever works all in one package. And if they're getting a good deal, yada, 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 yada. But anyway, uh, Gmail would be too hard to control. I'd imagine there's other things out there, but I don't know. There's just something about Outlook that always bugs me, man. Never dug it on my PC at work, let alone on my mobile device. So, yeah. You can't get into the room with the router? So I get a support ticket the other day. Ticket reads, can't get on the internet, please remote in and fix it. <laughs> the user in question has take-home privileges and was issued a laptop. He decided to leave Florida for New Jersey for a while since I never come into the office anyway, so I might as well go home for a while. Hey, that's where I am. Florida. I call him up and start trying to troubleshoot his interweb issues. I got the dinosaur screen. WTF? Can you please elaborate? You know, the image of the dinosaur with the no internet when I try to log into the terminal? Okay. On the bottom right of the screen, do you see the icon with a circle with arches or the globe with a circle with a line through it? The globe with a line through it. Okay, do you want to try resetting your router for me? Let me find it. I'll call you back in five. Ten minutes later, uh, the Airbnb guy says that the router is locked away in a closet and he won't give me the key to open it. Okay, well, um, do you know where the breaker box is? Yeah, I think I do, but I don't know which circuit it is. Just go with main. Leave it off for 30 seconds and switch it back on. Yeah, quickest and simplest, I guess, is main. I guess it depends on what else is plugged in in your Airbnb. Uh, there are other things in that unit that could get screwed up with shutting the main off and back on while all of your other breakers are still on. It's not likely, but it could happen. Um, me, I would just kind of read because most rooms, even in old crappy Airbnbs, most of the rooms on those breakers are labeled, you know, such and such room receptacle, such and such room, you know, overhead lights or overhead lighting, second floor, overhead lighting, first floor, blah, 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 you know. So you could probably narrow it down to two, three, or even four breakers at most. But, uh, 
Yeah, right, whatever works, I guess. We didn't get any more to that story, so I'm assuming the main breaker worked and did its magic. But, of course, then you got to go around and, like, reset your microwave and stove clocks and all that stuff if you care about that kind of thing. Eh. I insist you make this happen with no budget, no resources, no time, and no support to my exact crazy ideas. That's a long title. Apologies, this is a tad rambling, but yes, this really happened. Don't you just hate when people get to rambling like that? So some time ago, the center where I was working decided to take a more secure stance regarding staff's access to the internet. This involved cutting off all desk-side connections to the internet, and staff were being forced to use an awkward VMware host to access information on websites, conduct downloads of software updates, patches, etc. Basically, the VM hosts we used to access the internet had no admin privileges. Not bad, but made everyone jump through hoops in several file server levels to get anything off the net. What used to take a few clicks and minutes now took multiple logins, scans, copies, remote connections, and the better part of an hour. Ugh. Along with this enhanced security, no one could listen to anything on the internet. For some, this was expected because they're constantly on phones or otherwise occupied in their ears. But for many of us who typed and wrote code all day and fixed things in solitude, the silence was agonizing for hours on end. And we weren't permitted to bring in any other audio sources such as a CD player, radio, iPod, or whatever. Personal equipment was disallowed while in office. Again, ugh. Being enterprising and bored out of my mind, I set up a music server using free software off the internet and created a VM to share my little song collection with coworkers. Everyone liked it, and it did not have access to the internet. The enhanced security thing. So it was strictly a LAN party sort of setup. It was up for a few months before management got wind and ordered it stripped of any copyrighted material. Well, duh. Jesus, it's all copyrighted. Thus, the music went into the trash bin. But the software also did video services and was also hosting a few how-to videos we'd made for tech support. So the server was allowed to stay to host the help videos for our department. Fast forward a couple months later and the other departments catch wind that IT has a pseudo video server that we post things on and we'd also posted some other videos upon request. I hadn't really done anything with the server since being told to dump all the music. Thus, when I was asked about it, I replied, yes, we still have it. Yes, it's free. Yes, it works okay, but it is really meant for audio collections like Jukebox and isn't intended as an intranet version of YouTube. Whatever, a manager's going to talk with me about a project he's been put in charge of researching. The meeting comes and a new, young, sassy manager, less than a year's experience, has gathered myself and some other folks to discuss her project. She states that the center directors want a sort of private YouTube to host videos that staff have produced regarding some of the projects and products the center is developing. She heard we have a video server all ready to go and she intends to commandeer the server for her project. We'll only be helping her get started as she makes it into a glorious success. She has to see the server and for all the technical bibble-babble you all use. Um, what? She continues the meeting. Since I'd set up the server, VM, and configured the server's software, I'm asked to pull up the homepage for the server and show her what it can do. I open the server's homepage and click on the single folder labeled Videos, and play one of the videos in a pane of the browser. It isn't great quality video, but it works. The interface is also largely barren of other info since the software is looking for metadata in MP3 files, etc. The videos just don't have this info. Honestly speaking, the interface is not intended as a video display, and while it works, it doesn't look at all good. Again, this wasn't intended as a video server. The manager grimaces and scoffs, asks, what the hell is this? The few of us in IT respond that this is our server. We set it up to listen to music since we can't over the internet anymore, and it kind of sort of hosts videos we sometimes use, but that's it. 
The manager again contorts her face, now in a scowl, and tells us, You're going to have to change all of this to look better before I take it over. Now we're perplexed. What is she talking about? She relays that she has promised management that she can have a great looking video server up and running in no time. The video quality will be super. The interface elegant, etc. Long story short, she heard we had a video server. She intended to just take control of the thing, tweak a couple items, and voila! She gets a pat on the back for a brilliantly successful project. We explain that we didn't write this software, it's free on the internet, and it's not a good solution for what she has now explained to us. This might get her over the hump as hosting some things, but this is by no means a platinum solution out of the box. She begins to raise her voice. She has promised her director that this project is quick and easy, and she's well on top of it. We have to do this for her. Some looks are traded around the room between the two to three of us in IT before returning our attention to the new manager. We ask, okay, look, what sort of budget has been allocated for this project? What sort of timeline are we looking at? Three months, six months for research and development? What have you been promised regarding resources, staff hours, staff heads, equipment, etc.? Every project has a discovery phase, a development phase, a test phase, and a release phase. What's the plan here? She begins to break down and realizes that she has way overpromised on something she knows literally nothing about. She asks, where did you get the software and how did you set up your server? I relay for the second time now, it's free software off the internet and we didn't write it. We use it for music. Now it just hosts a few short help videos. She became indignant now and asks in a firm voice, well have you even looked for a free video service software that I could use? She has now become a bit unhinged and is looking for an escape out of her predicament and likely a target that she can point as being uncooperative to her project. A moment after she utters her ridiculous question, a colleague pushes himself away from the meeting table, stands up and proclaims, that's it, I'm out of here, and exits the room. He's heard and had enough. Me, I'm an idiot and try explaining to her the situation again. I attempt to counsel her that any high profile project like what she's proposing will take time and the director will surely realize the misunderstanding. But she's also looking at the three realities of IT. You can have things good, fast, cheap. You get to pick two of the above, not all three. She isn't listening and packs up her bag, storming out of the room. The two of us left just shrug and go back to our offices. Let's just say she didn't do very well in any of her other brilliant ideas. And after management realized she talked a lot, but never delivered anything, she didn't last much longer. There's a couple things going on here. It could be partially because she's young and eager and wanting to, you know, prove herself. Unfortunately, she was trying to prove herself off of the backs of other people. Two, she could have been trained as a salesperson. If she was young and, and trained in sales initially, then she was probably taught how to oversell product and underdeliver. Unfortunately, I've worked with way too many salespeople that were like this where they're so desperate to get that sale and close the sale and, you know, collect the check that they really don't even think about what happens down the line with all their coworkers and management and just everything. The logistics just totally go to hell after, you know, a customer was promised X, Y, and Z when really all they paid for was X and maybe part of Y. And for any of you out there that are in sales or newly in sales, even if you've been in sales for years, do me a favor. Yes, I understand you have to make a profit so that you make your commission. I understand that. And it can be lean some months. But trust me when I say, you're going to have way better results in the long run if you stop overselling the job. Don't promise things that you know they can't have. Because you're setting them up as the customer. You're setting up the people that actually have to execute the work. And you're going to set yourself up in the long run because somebody's going to catch on and it's going to start cutting into your commission really hard. So, knock that off. Tales from Japan as old as Samurai. I read this r slash on my downtime at work, so I thought I'd contribute. 
Reels and TikTok might tell you Japan lives in 2050, but in reality, it's more like very early 2000s. Some of you might know Japan as an aging population. While doing freelance support for one company, which had the whole setup to allow Android users to get work email on Outlook's app, it's normally not an issue. I get called to an older, older accountant about a problem. She can't open and check Outlook on her phone. No biggie, just a simple app reinstall and reconfigure, and we're good to go, or so I thought. It was around 2020, so people usually got decent phones, you'd think. Except for this dinosaur. The phone, not the person. I don't really remember what phone it was, but I'd say 2015 or earlier generic Android. It was bloated with apps. You could immediately tell that the concept of storage was unknown to the user. Issue was simple. Bloat and not enough RAM to handle Outlook, and the amount of email it downloaded and caches. The app was just too heavy for this fossil. The solution was easy enough. I told the user that this phone is simply too old and most likely she's long overdue for an upgrade, which her carrier would be happy to do for no charge if it's another generic Android just from this age and not the newest Samsung or whatever. Of course she was worried because her apps and data and everything, so I explained to her that no worries. It's as easy as swapping a SIM card to the new phone, logging into your Gmail and everything will just carry over, not to mention they do that for you at the store. I had to go back to my desk to grab something, and I went back to give it another go, just in case to be thorough. When I was swiping all the open apps away, I glimpsed over the open Chrome app with Google Search. I saw a search that said, what is a SIM card? Needless to say, the attempt failed again. Now, you need to understand that in Japan, since age-old as phones, I'm not sure what that is, the trials to get a new phone or upgrade looks like this. You go to any big chain electronics store. First floor is almost always exclusively filled with smartphones and providers. They each have their own cubicles, where they sat you down and go through stuff with you. Everything from bringing all the paperwork, pushing new point cards, new credit cards, new phones to physically in front of you, explaining every step of the way, okay, so if you don't mind, I'll take your phone now. Okay, now I'll remove the SIM card. Okay, now I'll put the new or same SIM card into the new phone, and so on. My question is, after I assume she lived for longer than the cell phones existed, probably having many flip phones throughout her time, and having to go through that customer service many times, someone who handles millions in sales and understands the intricacies of Japanese accounting doesn't know what a SIM card is? That is beyond me. But we've already proven time and time again that there are a lot of people in this world who have specialties. Even if she's been through a ton of phones before, somebody could have done it for her. Or she just kept getting the same models over and over and over again until maybe a, one of her kids or a colleague suggested a smartphone. Who knows, but my dad was that way. He would get the same cell phone over and over, and if the, the uh, carrier didn't have it, he'd find a place to buy one brand new or refurbished of the same exact model, maybe new old stock or something like that, and then have it switched over to his carrier. Um, you know, people have their specialties, and sometimes they really don't see anything beyond that. All right, guys, thanks for sharing a little bit of your day with me today. As you can see, it got dark while I started recording this. Uh, yeah, one of these days I'll get something done during daylight hours, but meh. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed the podcast or video or whatever format you're on. And uh, until the next one, we'll see you.